Hey listeners. In our podcast, we tell stories of true crime and hauntings, and these stories can sometimes contain gruesome and explicit details. This podcast is not intended for listeners who may not want to listen to the graphic description of true crime events. It may cause triggers. Our hosts are by no means experts on any subject matter they discuss. They're just two friends telling you true stories from our home in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Or don't. That's okay, too. How's that? Great. Okay, well, we're recording. Oh, we are? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are back. Wait, Dar- we weren't supposed to say that, were we? Yeah, no. We're back. Because we are. We're back. We're back. We're back. Officially back. We're officially back, you guys. And um, guess what? What? It's October. (laughs) It is. It is spooky season. We actually just decorated today. We live for this month, Darla. It is my favorite. For sure. We started this podcast after Halloween last year, so we never got to do any spooky stuff. Everything we do is spooky. I know, but like... (laughs) In the spirit of Halloween. Okay. We'll do one next next week. Um, what did you do what did you do today? Today? Uh what did I do today? Well like with the thing outside. Oh yes. <laughs> we uh introduced No Gender Jeffrey. That's our skeleton. That's what the kids named it. Because he's just bones. Um and he's <laughs> twelve feet tall. Um and he sits in the empty lot on the end of our street and he's terrifying and he has glowing eyes that look around and blink and i think it really adds to the cul-de-sac it's huge i just pulled up and it was like it's like a statue like a monument it's gonna scare anybody under the age of six do you think so yeah the little kids i think especially when it's eyes they look around and blink at night they glow i'm gonna have to check that out when i peel out of here later (laughs) um crazy okay well Welcome back to Radio Face Stories. Welcome back, Kezia. Welcome back, Darla. I missed the pod lab. I know. Well, cozy, kind of smells a little. It's all yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's great. We we realized it's been five months. Yep, five months-ish. We took a five-month break. Sometimes you got to do that. I know, it's crazy, but we're really happy to be back. I'd like to take a five-month break from lots of things. <laughs> Right? Yes. Should we do a cheers? Yes, we should. We're drinking some red wine out of our skull mugs. Apothic. It's delicious. Red wine on ice. That's a thing that... That's like an old person thing. Are we getting to that stuff? Oh, yes. 100%. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, should we rock, paper, scissors this? Well, do you have something you want to share? Oh, yeah, I do. Come on. <laughs> okay. Thanks. We got we got to like have a little something for the people. A little something something. Uh it's not yeah. It's just something I came across on Facebook not too long ago. Hold on a second. I've now just lost. There it is. <laughs> okay, so did you know that um the inspiration for the home of Pennywise the clown and I'm talking about the 90s version not the new it but the old like it was made for tv i think like a two-parter remember mm-hmm. um that inspiration for where he lives which is like in those sewers came from a place in bc what yeah it's called bunsen lake powerhouse 
So it's located an hour north of Vancouver, um, and there's actually two of them. And they're originally built to power the city's streetcars. Um, and they're creepy, very creepy looking. We'll add pictures for for you guys. Like they've been around, I think they were built in like the late 1800s. What? Yeah, and then eventually they didn't have a use for them. But the, uh, it said that, let's see here, I'll read right from this article. These powerhouses were also used in part of the movie Crystal Lake in Freddy, or as Crystal Lake in Freddy vs. Jason and the home of the monstrous crocodile in Lake Placid. And it stood in for the sewers that Pennywise lives in uh, it in the 90s, it. Whoa. So that's kind of cool. It's pretty that's clo- so that's cool. pretty close to home. Yeah. I we mean, should. I'm glad we can inspire some of that. <laughs> we should go see that. Movies. We should go to the, the, the old powerhouse. Can you imagine that Can trip? We, it's in Vancouver? Yeah. I don't even know if they're open or work, but that'd be an adventure. And that'd be they're, The pictures are really creepy. Sweet. I'm down. Okay. Let's do it. Um, it's happening. So we didn't end up going to Newcastle Island. Well, we had some things getting our way. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was waiting to tell you this, but I went to see the property on DeCourcy Island of Brother 12. Oh, that's interesting. Who'd you go with? My dad. Cool. So we sailed um, to Pirates Cove. We we um, anchored in there. Yep. And then um, my dad was like, oh, no, it's probably probably like three hours to get to the other side of the island. Like, that seems far. And we were only there for the afternoon. And I was like, well, let's just go check. Like, it's probably not that far. It's a small island. And we at, and we started walking and we asked some guy and he's like, oh, yeah, it's just a, you just go around. The, the road loops around. It's about a five-kilometer loop. And I was like, oh, that's like less than an hour. Let's go. And so we found it. And it says private property, but there's no one living on there now because it's for sale. Right. And we walked in and, um, yeah, we did kind of like a loop of the property and I took some pictures. Was there anything there still? Yeah, there's like um, like a barn. There's like a like a shed, like a tool shed. And, um, like a huge orchard, it's a beautiful property, no spooky vibes. There's like a marsh with some ducks in it. Like it's actually really beautiful and it's, you can see the ocean from it. That's really cool. Um, and then like the house that they lived in is still there. That's sweet. Yeah. Could you like, could you see in the windows or, um, you didn't go that close? It was kind of, yeah, no, we didn't get too close, but Mm -hmm. it was just kind of old and like dark. So, and I didn't want to like snoop around too much. And then there was like. It looked like other people were doing the same thing. Right, right. So we didn't feel weird about it. <laughs> Those people are probably friends of ours. Probably. I like people like that. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool to check that out, even though we haven't done that story yet. Cool. We'll have p- pictures of those up, too. Yay. Okay. Um, yeah. Moving on forward. Moving on forward. What's your? What's the first movie you've watched this month? Scary movie. Oh, well, does it count kid movies? Mm, okay, yeah. okay. We watched actually I watched this one called Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. Um it's an older one, uh but I hadn't seen it before and the character the like bad guy in it is this little cute little pumpkin guy named Sam. Oh. So it's kind of a, it's kind of like a funny horror whatever like um but I watched it with my daughter and now that's what she's going to be for Halloween. Cool. Is the character Sam. And I'll show you a picture of that guy. He's really cute. Let me show you. Hold on. Okay. Um, I, I, 
I haven't watched a spooky movie yet, which is so weird for me. It's like October 10th. I know. So we got to we gotta get back on the movie nights. Oh, me and Darla went and saw the new Candyman movie in the theater because the theaters are open. And um, it was... Uh, it was... Uh, uh, Darla and Kezi give it two thumbs I down. give it a lukewarm, <laughs> lukewarm bowl of oatmeal rating. It's not that great. No. No. But it was really cool to go to the theater and... Eat popcorn and drink pop. Oh, yeah. I love the actual outing itself made up for the shit movie. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to mention that I'm wearing my Fantan Alley. Oh. Where'd you shirt? get that? When we went to the Fantan Alley. You bought it then? Yeah. In the Fantan Alley, one of the shops. That's really cool, Darla. I didn't know that you bought that. <laughs> Where were you? I don't know. Probably waiting in the alley for you. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say? I don't think so. That's okay. all I had. Okay, cool. I don't know. I feel rusty. Like I... It'll come back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like a really cool podcast opener. <laughs> Keep your expectations very low. Friend. Yeah. Okay. We we thought we'd come bigger and better, but we're, we're just mediocre. It's kind of like us. rusty and with like a limp. Well, yeah, we'll get into it. Like <laughs> Probably by after Christmas. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um. Yeah. Rock. Paper, scissors. scissors. Oh, rock, paper, scissors. Rock, rock paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Yay. Yay. That took a long time. Kezia won. I know we got uh, samesies every time. Okay, this, yeah, this is a dark story. Bring it. It's the murder of Kimberly Proctor. Oh, I think I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Okay. Let's hear it. It was about 10 years ago. So, Kimberly was born, Kimberly. <laughs> Starting off strong, guys. <laughs> it's the wine. You uh, like once. I know. <laughs> I haven't really drank in like six weeks, so this might be interesting. Kimberly was born on January first, nineteen ninety-two. She lived in Langford, BC, which is a suburb of Victoria, and she had a passion for animals. She had raised many lizards, rabbits, mice, and hamsters as a kid, and she also loved cats. She would wear cat ears all the time, which is pretty cute. She was just a pretty regular teenage girl, although she was quiet and vulnerable. She was made fun of for wearing her cat cat ears, though, at school. Yeah, kids would meow at her, and this continued over the years. So she was bullied and was diagnosed with ADD. Hold on. <laughs> Mine's really dry in my mouth. Out. Maybe it's that thing. Maybe I'm also kind of nervous. Mm. You do some like jumping jacks or some shit. Just do a quick lap around the do for a skeleton quick, quick out job. there. You should. You should go see Jeffrey. <laughs> okay. Yours. So she was diagnosed with ADD okay. and her parents Fred and Lucy tried to medicate her but the meds just kind of made her a bit of a zombie eventually she was transferred to an alternative school called Pacific Secondary and that was in Langford this school attracted many troubled kids two in particular by the name of Cruz Wellwood and Cam Moffat 16 hmm. year old Cruz had scraggly brown hair and uneven eyes Whoa! Did you just actually, did you just put that in there? That's what. That's how they described him. Yeah. What do you mean uneven eyes? Like they're but googly probably. Like they look different ways, or like the eyes Maybe, like, themselves are like in the wrong spot. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm just really thrown off by that description. That's really interesting. <laughs> like maybe one was just open a bit bigger. Can you read that other? sentence again, please? Sixteen year old Cruz had scraggly brown hair and uneven eyes. <laughs> like maybe what? one was like a bit lower than the other one. Or I've never I've okay. All right. I don't know, maybe he got hey. hit in the head. And then he went wonky. Okay. Um Cam was a seventeen year old goth looking kid. And these boys played a lot of online games, like World of Warcraft, and they chatted on iMessage with friends. That was kind of kind of pretty normal thing. Really. Yeah. So Cruz Wellwood, he was actually the son of a murderer. In 2001, Cruz's father, Robert Raymond Deswan, sexually assaulted and murdered a 16-year-old girl, and he was sentenced to life with no possibility of parole for 15 years. And Cruz later said he understood what his father had done, but he didn't want to talk about it. So Cruz and Cam met in grade 5, art class, where they bonded over their mutual dislike of their teacher. That sounds like <laughs> That us. sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Cruz was smart, but Cam was a bit more of a slow learner, and he suffered from ADHD and was allegedly sexually abused at the age of four. Ugh. That's a rough start. Rough start. Cam would jump out of his bedroom window at night when he was young until it was barred up by his parents. He resisted counseling and medication and began to lash out and would cut himself. This is the ADHD kid? Yeah. Okay. These kids understood each other, though. They were like brothers. They skipped school, smoked weed, and played World of Warcraft and watched porn sites. Okay. Sounds like a regular teenage boy. Does, yeah. um, despite their bad behavior, they were never really perceived as a threat. There's a WordPress blog entitled Early Warning Signs of a Serial Killer. And on February 2009, Cruz posted an entry on that blog. And he listed traits like animal abuse, fascination with fire, abandoned by father, and intense interest in sodomistic porn. Hmm. And then he blogs about it and says, The peculiar thing is that I meet all 14 criteria of a serial killer, but apparently meeting all the criteria makes it unlikely for the subject to be a serial killer. I suppose only time will tell. Well, that's weird. Right? So do you think, it's almost like, like it's almost, I don't know, that he wants to be one. Mm -hmm. Like, not that he just naturally is, but... He's, like, intrigued by it. Yeah. He's, like, purposely trying to tick all the boxes, maybe, because yeah, he's, like... Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. In 2009, Kimberly, Cruz, and Cam became part of the same small group of friends at school. Um, they would ride on the buses together. They'd go to the mall. They'd get stoned. And they would chat and flirt um, really late at night online. Kim had dated a boy named Zach, who was also in their friend group, but they broke up after a few months, and Kim was a bit crushed, so she went online to talk to Cam and Cruz about the breakup to console her. And during that chat, Cam had told Kim that he liked her and complimented her on her beauty. But she was more interested in Cruz. Hmm. Wait, the wonky eye guy? Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Cam was a bit too dumb for her or something. The two became close after her split up with Zach, and they would check, text and chat a lot, and Cruz told Kim that he felt more open around her than most people. I can't lie to you. It makes me feel too guilty. Normally I can. You make me feel very honest for some reason, is what he 
w- wrote to her, and she replied with, Haha, thanks, I guess. <laughs> Online, they began to share more openly about things like their insecurities and stuff like that, about how she felt short and pudgy, and then he would reassure her and tell her how he hated the nickname Spaz that he got. And how he hates people and how he knows how they work. And it's easy to put on a mask and play pretend. I mean, up to now, it really just sounds like typical teenager shit. All of this. Exactly. Yeah. He told her he was violent and explosive and she replied with LOL. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're too good, Kim. You trust in people too much, he wrote. Is that trying to warn her? I don't know. So offline, Cruz and Cam's lives were becoming more and more dark. They were often high. They would experiment with drinking blood and bodily fluids. Okay, this is where it's getting weird now. Mm -hmm. Um, There were reports of their home life deteriorating. They would visit sadistic porn sites, um, and in their online chats to each other, they would fantasize about rape and bondage. Mm. One night, Kim was chatting to both boys but separately at the same time. And they had this conversation. Um, I was going to read the whole conversation, but I don't think it's it's necessary. But basically, they asked her what she was doing the following day because um, they wanted to, to meet up. And she said all she had to do was babysit in the afternoon. She didn't have school in the morning. Uh, one of the boys had said that they wanted to talk to her about her breakup with Zach, but they had something to tell her in person or something like that. So then, yeah, the the next day, the following morning, Kim's mom kissed her goodbye and told her that she loved her. Kim had found out that she had enough credits to graduate, and she wanted to volunteer at the local Wild Animal Rehabilitation Center. She sounds like a good kid. I know. So sweet. So she didn't have class that morning. She just had to babysit in the afternoon, and then she was going to start sewing her grad dress. Mm-hmm. So after her mom left, she got dressed and went to the Langford bus exchange. She got off the bus around 10.30, where Cam and Cruz met her. They had purchased some fuel. Like in a like, uh, like gasoline? Yeah, like in gasoline. Jerry can? Yeah, okay. jerry can. The three chatted for a bit, then went down to a small brown house on Happy Valley Road. Earlier that morning, Cruz told Cam that he would use a code phrase, I think I'm going to make some KD when he was ready to attack. Shortly after they entered the house, the boys started to attack Kim. They hit her and started kicking her and bound her hands and ankles and stuffed a sock in her mouth and taped it shut. They then raped and beat her for hours until she died from suffocation. Jesus. They mutilated her with a knife. Then they moved her body into a freezer in Cruz's garage. At some point... Sorry, so the house they were in were Cru- was Cruz's house? No, it was an abandoned house. Okay, and then they... So I guess, her. yeah, they they had managed to move her body into the freezer. I think they put it in a big duffel bag. At some point during all of this, Cruz sent her an online message, which was meant to be his alibi, asking her if it was, um, if she was done babysitting yet. The next morning, the two boys put Kim's body into a hockey bag and boarded a bus to the Galloping Goose Trail. This was the trail where they um, would go and get high a lot. They lugged the bag into the woods under a bridge 
where they doused it in fuel and lit her body on fire. And during this time, Cruz sent another text saying, OMFG, I'm so upset. My best friend is missing. Kim, if you see this, please email me telling me that you're okay. I will never stop being friends with you. Kim, I miss you. Please email me and tell me that you're okay. Kimmy, I miss you and I love you. That's so messed up. Isn't it? Yeah. So Samantha, who is Kim's best friend, she posted this message on her Facebook when Kim's mom reported that she was missing. Kim's mom knew that something was wrong because when she tried to call her, um, her phone went straight to voicemail. So she had a bad feeling. A search was started for Kim. And then Cam and Cruz continued on with their lives. After they dumped her body, Cruz spent the rest of the day at home with a girl he was dating. And Cam had brunch with his mom and grandmother and went shopping for a video game. So these guys are really sick. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you do that to somebody and then just live your regular life after? Like, with no... Repercussions. No, like little, no. no feeling of yeah. guilt or remorse. Like, they're able just to separate it like it's not real. Yeah. I don't know. They were They were pretty twisted. And I think, I think they kind of like, because they found each other and they somehow related over this messed up stuff, um, I think it just made it easier for them to Yeah, and more okay act out or something like of, that. Yeah. Yeah, like justified it in a way. That's gross. Yeah. So that night, there was a young guy smoking pot. <laughs> I guess everyone goes to this trail to smoke weed. <laughs> have you been um, to that trail? No. But I've it, been there. Oh, have you? There's been a lot of bad shit that happens on that trail, though. Why? Is it, like, super dark and in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. I just think a lot of women have been attacked on that trail. We should look into that. Yeah, we should. Continue. Don't go there. <laughs> um, so that night, a young guy was under the Galloping Goose Bridge, smoking weed with his friends, and stumbled across charred human remains. Dental records confirmed that the remains were Kim's, and and an investigative team of 40 officers were put on the murder case. The investigators kept a close watch on Kim's family and friends and watched the Facebook page closely. There was a public memorial page set up for her, so they were monitoring that. And um, there was a bunch of people on there, like, offering clues and, and theories about who they think committed the murder. Did anybody suggest them? the boys i don't think so not in that chat so corporal darren logan said it was amazing how many people had zero privacy settings on their pages right what year was this again um 2010 okay cruz was getting paranoid about leaving any more evidence online but he couldn't resist the urge to share his story with someone so he was starting to like Mm -hmm. you know feel something about it and so he wanted to share it with someone he trusted he was scared to use msn but thought maybe he could use um, the chat logs in World of Warcraft, which were less likely likely to be saved. On March 23rd, five days after Kim's murder, he told his gamer girlfriend in Halifax on MSN that he had something urgent he wanted to tell her, but only over World of Warcraft. And then he confessed to her, and then he sent her links to the articles on MSN to prove it. And she was shocked, but she pretended like it was okay and eventually replied saying i'll always be here for you no matter what you do and then did she tell the police she told the police but i think she told them after the fact like she didn't Mm. go to the police right away because they um the investigation was still going on for a while and then he replied to her saying that's why i told you no matter how things turn out i'll make it up to you somehow someday 
This kid's full of shit. He's creepy. Yeah. So she did tell the police. Um, she said that Cam also came onto the chat and confirmed, like, all this information. And then she asked Cam, what about her family and friends and all the people whose lives you ruined? And he replied with, no, I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> so Cruz continued to show up from time to time for school, but he had a hard time containing his rage. When Samantha, Kim's best friend, overheard him talking about her, she asked him to stop because it, it was a, she said it was really hard to listen to. And, um, and then he just screamed at her saying, no one cares, she's dead, who gives a shit? Jesus. And then there was a similar um, incident with another student where he had said, I'm glad she's dead, I hated her. So Cam and Cruz continued to talk on MSN about the investigation. Since we killed that bitch and it wasn't so hard, we should do it again, Cam wrote on March 25th. So they're getting like co- more cocky and confident because they, they don't think they're going to get caught. So they're also like, f- you know, fucking up a bit. So they were brought into questioning, brought in for questioning and admitted to seeing her that morning, but said she had left early to go to school. And the cop asked what kind of a person would commit such an act. And Cruz responded by saying someone who thinks it. It's worth it to kill someone or someone who is in a fit of rage. Soon the police had enough evidence to secure the authorization to monitor um, their online activities and kept them under close surveillance. So they they, um, they bugged their homes, their cell phones, and even a gazebo where they would go and hang out and get high. They dug up their Google and Wikipedia searches as well and old um, transcripts of their instant messages, and texts. And this is crazy. So in total, the the tech, the tech crimes um, unit gathered the equivalent of 1.4 billion sheets of paper on them. Holy shit. <laughs> that's fucking dumb. Like, that's crazy. Like, so that's all in a computer. But could you imagine if there was that many pieces of paper? And, like, it's because it's also instant, and it doesn't seem like it's permanent when you write when you type out in chat messages and shit like that. Like, you'd never sit down and, like you're saying, and, and write a letter and express all that. You'd have a lot more, you'd think more about what you're putting down on the paper. Yeah. Right? And so being able just to type out so quickly, you're going to get all that, like, deep stuff that you maybe didn't even really, you're not sure you wanted to say, but it's too late you said it. Like Exactly. And like, a, but 1.4 what? Well, like, think Bil- about how many people you text in a day oh, over yeah. how many years or whatever. No, like, that's, that's a lot crazy. of, that's probably, yeah, that's a whole bookshelf for sure. <laughs> the whole chapters. Chapters on chapters. Um, so on Friday, June 18th, um, Cruz and Cam were arrested for Kim's murder. They were both really calm and somber, they said. And they're probably shit scared inside. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they didn't give a shit. Like, they're obviously psychopaths Hmm. or sociopaths. Um, And then rather than go through the whole (laughs) trial, rather than go through the whole trial and jury process, they both just pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. Wow. And indignity to human remains. And they were sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 10 years. So that brings us to 2020 was when they were eligible for parole. And do you have? Um, so I, Cruz had applied for day parole or something, but it was it wasn't uh, granted because they still thought he posed a threat to society. Because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they were you know getting any better. 
Um, I didn't have too much information on Cam, but... Um, and so about a year after the murders, um, there was a placement hearing to determine if they should be transferred to an adult penitentiary because the psychology report suggested that they would most likely offend, reoffend. So then they were transferred to adult facilities where a more comprehensive sexual offender treatment program was offered, including chemical castration. Have you heard of that? Wait a minute, they went through that? I don't know if they went through that, but that's what was offered at this um, treatment program. Offered as in like they can choose it if they wanted, or who chooses? Who's it offered to? To them. Who would, but nobody would choose that. Who would administer it? No, who would choose, yes, please, I'd like to be chemically castrated. I don't, I don't think it's a choice. I think it's oh, something... Oh, so it's not an option. It's, it's, I think it's something that... I see. ...that happens. That's amazing. So that, so it's a controversial drug treatment plan used in Canada to reduce likelihood of someone to reoffend in sex crimes. I need to Do Google you, this shit. Because I actually... I meant to look it up, but then I forgot. So what does it even mean? Okay, hang on. Does that... Is that allowed? Okay, read it. Well, I mean, it's here, but let me tell you a little story called Doesn't the balls, when they're split open, like, they look like a brain? Ew, that is... Disgusting. Okay, that's a dog's penis. Wieners are weird. Oh, okay. Okay. Chemical castration uses certain chemicals to reduce a man's libido or sexual activity by lowering testosterone, the predominant sex hormone in males. Okay, this type of castration has been used as punishments against sex offenders since the 1940s. Whoa. This isn't even new information. So, what do they actually do, though? They cut it off? No. It just lowers the production of hormones, um, of testosterone. But, like, doesn't castration mean, like... So, yeah, but, so castration means, like, yeah, but chemical castration oh. is, yeah. Chemical castration has been found to be effective in reducing sex drive and the seminal fluid in a male. But this does not prevent sexual violence or aggressive behavior. Even reducing the testosterone levels to zero does not eliminate chances of reoffending. And that was written on the March of this year. Crazy. So it's basically ineffective. So they should really just do pr- full castration. Yeah, just get it. Hold the chemicals, go straight to the butcher knife. <laughs> the guillotine. Yeah, guillotine that thing. <laughs> Anyways. Yikes. So they're still in prison, obviously. And um, they had last year admitted that she wasn't actually their first choice of victim. That there was two other, other girls they had in mind, and then she just happened to be the one that was available at the time. They And they just said that last year? Yeah. That's like new information. <sighs> I hate these fuckers. I hate them so much. Her poor family. I like to hear that now. Like, oh, I don't know. I know. I just, That's ugh. what it just like stirred up so much stuff after 10 years, too. My ending line is <laughs> the digital basement can be a dark place. And these were supposed to be her friends. Yeah. So, like, these kids, they're just like different, right? So, they go, you know, they go to these alternative schools meet other people that are maybe a bit different, and then... Well, alternative schools are for kids who struggle in the mainstream, like, public school setting. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that they have different resources and help and things are just a bit different to help them succeed and grow. But, yeah, they they would be around people that also had certain types of struggles, I suppose. But, I mean, I don't think... What those two boys had... That's not normal. That doesn't no, that doesn't often. that doesn't belong there. That's no. not, I think, a common thing. No, and I just I just feel bad, you know, for for her because she thought these guys were her friends and they were not her friends at all. Yeah, and unfortunately, 
she had to lose her life because they're psycho. Oh, there was a fact about the psychopathy checklist. Where is it? Yeah, Cruz. He um scored in the 96th percentile yeah. of the checklist. So he's definitely... He got an A in that one. He won the psycho game. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, that's my story. Well done, friend. Thanks. My references are um, a Vanity Fair article from October 27th, 2011. It's actually a really well-written, very descriptive article, um, if you guys want to read the story more in depth. And ctvnews.ca article from August 2019. Break time. Break time. Need a ear break. Guys, we need material for our commercial section, our break section. So if you want to give shout-outs or sponsor us <laughs> yeah please sponsor us guys <laughs> or you know give us some something to put to put in in that section please or maybe you have a message for the masses and you just want us you know to be the messenger you let us know and we'll uh report your message out yeah we'll be the messenger for you you bet as long as it's like short not something sweet. we don't want to say <laughs> yeah keep it short and sweet and legal yeah <laughs> How was your break? Uh, refreshing. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving. I think we should have said that like an hour <laughs> oh, ago. I'm thankful for you. I'm oh. thankful for you and your face. Oh, do you know what I did? Mm. Um, remember for your anniversary, we went paintballing a go-kart. Wow. What? We went paintballing and go-karting for your and Pat's Not our engagement party. Yeah, our bachelor I did that exact same thing last weekend. Sweet. It was like the nostalgic, same, the same program. We um, went uh, paintballing and then we went go-karting at the same place. The paintballing place was probably one of my funnest memories. We need one to do that again. One of my most again. fun times. We need to do that again because that was probably the funnest thing I've done in a really long time. I just remember shooting poor Nathan in the back of his head, even though he's on my team. He just popped up and I just, <laughs> man, bam. <laughs> And I knew he was there, too, but it was just his sudden movement. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be good for the Army. I wouldn't be good for any, Never give me a gun, basically. I I mean, I'd be on your team. I'm too jumpy. Oh, yeah, but I'm shooting you in the back of the head. If you moved quick. I'll just stick with you. Okay. <laughs> My story is the unsolved murder of Roddy Moore. So Roddy Moore, his full name John Roderick Moore, was born in 1939, which happens to be the same year my grandma was born. So she's hmm. 83. So mm-hmm. if he was alive, he'd be 83, 83 still. Yeah. Roddy was born November 23, 1939, in northern Saskatchewan. He was one of seven children. His mother, Nettie Moore, was originally from Nova Scotia and had moved to northern Saskatchewan when she was 11 uh, with her mother, who was widowed and looking for work. She ended up getting, her mother got work uh, with a man named Len Moore. Uh, she became his housekeeper. When Nettie turned 18, she became pregnant uh, with Len Moore's baby, who was 43 at the time. Whoa, woofed. Gross, right? Nettie, I like that name, though. So she moved there when she was 11 with her mom, mm-hmm. and this man was the same age as her mother, and she was the housekeeper. So she, the girl was 11, so he knew her since she was 11, that's, and at 18, he impregnated her. That's fucked up. Right. So at that time, her mother said, well, you have to marry him. Right, you're pregnant with his baby. You guys are getting married, so she married the 43 year old. She um, was cool with this. I don't think she had a say. Oof. 
They uh, lived on a farm. It was a small two-bedroom log cabin, and they had zero money, like no money at all, and fully lived off the land. So they gardened and ate all their veggies, and Len hunted all the meat. So they had lots of food, but they had no money whatsoever. At least they were healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Len worked away for the highway department, so he was gone from May to October every year. And they had no phone, no electricity, no indoor toilet, no running water, nothing. And she was left to raise eight children Oof. alone, like in a little log cabin with nothing. Yikes. She, so this didn't, you know, this was en- enough was enough eventually. And in 1945, she packed up her bags and she took just Roddy and left. She left her seven kids behind? She left seven kids behind. Well, she didn't leave them. She sent them off to her relatives. So I think they went to their Like gra- you grand- get one and you get one. <laughs> you get a kid and you get a kid. <laughs> no, they went to like the grandparents and then were dispersed among relatives after that. Hmm. Why did she only take Roddy? Right, which is a great question. Um, so Roddy's oldest, or not oldest, Roddy's sister, Lynn, thinks, this is just her assumption, that Roddy's real father wasn't actually Len. So out of all of them, he was dark-skinned and... Was just, he the youngest? I don't think so. But he was young, one of the younger ones. I'm not sure if he was the the, the youngest, but he was the youngest, one of the younger ones for sure. Because I think there was a younger girl. Okay. He was seven, though, so he's still really little. Mm-hmm. But... His real father was uh, Métis man and not Len. Oh. So sh- they think that that's why she just took him. Cool. I think on, on Roddy's birth certificate, it says that Len Moore was his father, but it just, it's not. Uh, so eventually Nettie got work in Westbridge. So her, her and Roddy moved there and she was a cook. And she was able to make some money and have a little house. And then she met her next partner, a man named John Turner, who worked at the logging camp in in Westbridge. Not too long after she met him, she became pregnant with her ninth child. Oof. And at the request of John, he moved Roddy and Nettie to his mother's house in East Vancouver so they could be closer to a hospital for when she gave birth. So they moved to Elise Hooper's house, which is John's mother, John's mother, and they actually became really close with her. Roddy looked up to her like a grandma and, and was really happy there, although he only lived there um, for three months before he was murdered. On the raining morning... On... Stop it. On the rainy boarded... On the rainy boarded... I sound like you had a cold. That was good. Okay. On the raining... <laughs> It wouldn't be a podcast episode if we didn't have a laugh. <laughs> the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Oh, now, now, brown yeah. cow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm never going to get past this fucking sentence. <laughs> Chuggy. Okay. On the rainy mor- <laughs> I can hear you crunching your ice, you fucking shitbag. Sorry. I thought it was off camera. No, not off camera. You're off, right. Off uh, mic. Right, you're right off there. Off mic. No. Okay. No. We're in a fucking pod lab. Here's everything. Everything. Right? On the rainy morning of Friday, October 17th, 1947, Roddy left his home on East 8th Avenue and made his way to Begbie Annex School, just a few blocks away. Roddy usually uh, walked to school without his mom, as she was eight months pregnant, and it was only about a 10-minute walk, so it wasn't too bad, and I think it was probably really common back then for Mm -hmm. kids of that age to do things that maybe... Wouldn't happen like no. 
And so he always did that, and he always came home for lunch every day as well. From school? Yep. It was only a 10-minute walk, so he'd walk home for his lunch, I guess. That's cute. Yeah. I had a burp. Ew. It was a weird <laughs> one. tastes weird? Yeah. Like, like sushi. <laughs> so we had for dinner? Sushi. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Okay. Just spitting straight facts over here. Spitting facts and rice chunks. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought of a joke. Mm. So I just have to share this now. But I have a friend staying over. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. He's a complete goofball. But there's this beer called Facts. Like F-A-C-T-S? F-A-X-X. Okay. And we were in the liquor store and he was like, Looked at the beer, looked at me, and said, Hey, Kez, you want to be sipping straight facts? <laughs> That's fucking funny. It was so funny. <laughs> Did you buy it after that? Because I would. No, but I was. Oh, shout out to Zach for your comedy. <laughs> Hi, Zach. Okay, so <clears throat> this is really inappropriate breaks for this story. I know. Just going to breathe through it. <laughs> So on one side of the road, it had only four houses. This is his walk to school. There's four houses on one side, and the other was this undeveloped woods area, which I think today is now uh, Thundermere Elementary School. So at the time, it's just woods. On this particular day, Roddy happened to meet up with a friend and his older sister, and they all walked together until Roddy got to the or the undeveloped woods are, and he decided to cut through there because it's a shortcut. I'm sorry, and he's seven? Yeah. So he cut through this little forest area, um, and his, the other two kids didn't. Right. He never came home for lunch that day. So immediately his mother was concerned because he always came for lunch, and she called the school, who informed her that he never showed up at all, but reassured her that he was probably just skipping, like he was playing hooky, and it wasn't a big deal. So she waited, and when he didn't come home after school, she called the police. Right away, a search party started for Roddy, and it went through the weekend with dozens of volunteers showing up to help. Two Mm -hmm. days after he went missing, Roddy was found near his school in the woods under a bush only three blocks away from his house. His skull was smashed, and one of his ears was severed completely off. His official cause of death was compression of the brain and hemorrhaging. Oh, my God. So the, the police had no leads. They believed... He was grabbed by a pedophile when he cut through the bush that just happened to be in there, which I think is a real, like... Pedophile just hanging out like in the bush? Just, but, I mean, it's near an elementary school. It's, like, right behind it. So, But I, it just seems like such a random fact Fact when we haven't heard that there was anything else to support that. Right. So they think he was there, there when he cut through the bush, and their theory was that Roddy screamed when the assailant attacked him which made him panic, and so he smashed Roddy in the head, which killed him. Uh, He wasn't actually sexually assaulted. They think that because he screamed and he attacked him and he died, the guy took off. No one has ever been charged, um, and his murder's gone unsolved for 74 years next week. really? Yeah. Cold case. Cold case. There were some theories uh, that, I guess, one of his sisters is adamant that his stepfather, John Turner, murdered him. What would be his reason? Um... Well, apparently he didn't treat the boy very well, even though when he first went missing and when the, when he was his body was found, it was actually John that spoke to the press and signed his death certificate because the mother was like nine months pregnant at the time and it was too much for her. So he did all that kind of stuff and talked about how, oh, Roddy loved to go fishing and 
like made himself sound like a really good dad or a positive figure in his life, but it's apparently he treated Roddy really badly and like we beat him and made him sleep on the floor at the log camps and didn't treat him very well. Mm. So the sister thinks it was him. I think she, um, I heard an interview on another podcast that she actually asked, had said she'd asked him if he had something to do with it, and he just told her never to talk about it anymore and just got really mad and wouldn't answer. Um, so she's very, very sure that he didn't directly do it, but he arranged to have it done. Wow. Um, because he did have an alibi. He, was not in t- he wasn't in the area at the time, but perhaps because he's starting a new family with her, right, and didn't want... That's so awful. Yeah. And there, there's no... There's no evidence to support that, but well, yeah. I guess in in those days it was a lot harder. It was yeah. You couldn't just solve things like I think if it happened now it would be a different story. <sighs> be DNA all over that. Oh yeah. Aww. Anyways, that's the unsolved murder. That's really of sad. Roddy Moore, and it's he's a good story. yeah. I love that name. Yeah, and he's a super cute kid. Aww. Well, Roddy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Roderick. Roderick, still dope name. Is dope. Well, thank you for sharing. Short and not very sweet. No. I mean, that's why we're here, for the dark Short and not sweet. Dark humor. So my references are pressreader.com and newspaper.com, as well as e, uh, Eve Lazarus, uh, her podcast, season one, episode two of The Murder of Roddy Moore. Well, let's play, just for old time's sakes, Yes. a quick game of Rock Paper Celebrity. I love it. Before we sign off. Okay, just to warm up our brains again. Yeah, that was half capacity. <laughs> I'm going um, to solve 30. Okay, what are we are doing? Guy or girl first? Uh, girl. Okay. Okay. Rock. Wait. There's no thinking. I feel like I'm just going to repeat ones I've said before. Then I will win automatically. Okay. Rock, Rock, paper, paper Cameron Hunt. Diaz. We don't have a judge in here no we more. We are the judge. We have to be honest with ourselves. Helen Hunter, Cameron Diaz. I mean, I like Helen Hunt movies more. Like what? <laughs> Name a great <laughs> Helen Hunt movie. Wait, she was Twister? in a fucked up scary movie. Recently? Oh, Panic Room? No, that's not her. That's fucking... Jodie no. Foster. Yeah, that's They kind of look a bit alike. They do. They got kind of like a smooth alien thing going on. <laughs> what? I don't know. Like very... Alien? Estonian features. They I don't know. I'm just making sharp shit up. noses. Yeah. And like hollow eyes. Wait, no. She's okay. in a... Okay, just hold on. Yeah, fact checks. Ooh, we should do rock, paper, scary movie. That's a good idea. Holy fuck. Look at her face. <laughs> See? She looks like um, Alien. a president. <laughs> what? Like if she had short gray hair, she'd look like a president. <laughs> An angry president? <laughs> there. Okay. Yes. Okay, so Helen Hunt was in a movie in 2019 called I See You. And it's like the ones where let's see the this is where cover. you talked about it frogging. Oh, do you remember us talking about yeah. frogging? Where there's someone... a movie about frogging. Yeah, oh, that's, that's it. That's the movie. Oh, I've seen in... it. Yeah, it's a good movie. It is a good movie. So I see you is a movie about frogging where people live in your house and you uh, will never with, know, and you don't know, and they they know every your every move, and so they only come hang out inside the living space when you're out of the house and take your food and just enough to live yeah. off of and you, you put, don't notice and they live loofah. In, they live in the ew, <laughs> your bidet they wash their buttholes while you're working and they steal your crackers yeah and then they just hide up in your walls ew it's so creepy so there helen hunt movie okay so i guess you win i fucking win okay so now guy 
rock, rock paper, paper Owen Wilson. Wilson. Mel Gibson one. But like vintage Mel Gibson. Yeah. Not like crazy. Like, um, what's that? Lethal what Weapon the, Mel Gibson. That's cool, but that series where he's, they like rip through the desert. Oh, Mad Max? Yeah. See, Mel Gibson all the way. Owen Wilson. I don't know. He's got like one one character, one face. Yeah. <laughs> Just his face doesn't change because you only get one and his face. little lips. <laughs> yeah, no. By the way, high um, five to me. That's high five. Two for um, me. Oh, two wins for you. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah. here We're back. We're, we're good to go. And uh, I don't know. That's pretty much all we got for now. That's so. it, man. Slow so start. Go to your next podcast. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Oh, I did want to say, we're only going to release every two weeks. So, um, so we can do this better. Year. And not die. Okay. That's a good plan. (laughs) Right? We discussed that? Yeah. Okay. Is it good to let the people know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll see you in two weeks. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.